Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Be Real. Another week, another Friday. The weather's not that great. I'm pretty sure my co-host is here. Where are you? I am right here. And the weather is not that great because (laughs) I am not having the hair day that I wanted. That's all I can say about the weather. It's a little too humid outside. But here I am. It's me, Diana, right here at Be Real on a Friday. Ready to go. Ready to go. It's yeah, a mini sew today. Yeah, it is a mini sew today. Which and I think is something really special about this mini sew mm-hmm. is because we have one of our own, one of our Be Well psychotherapists is here with us today, Susan Miller. So we are so excited to hear a little bit more about what's going on with Susan um, and her practice and um, what she's going to introduce to you guys today. So Susan, why don't yeah. you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My pleasure. Uh, I am so thrilled to be here on a Friday on this mini-sode um, with these two fabulous women. I'm excited about this new prospect. So a little bit about me. I uh, Let's see. This is my third career I and the one that I love the most. And I've been doing this for a little over a decade. And I went back to social work school uh, I did some postgraduate work at the William Allison White Institute for Child and Adolescent um, Programs, and I have been working in private practice as well as community outpatient clinics, and now I am here in this wonderful, fabulous group practice called Be Well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're super excited to have you. Maybe I didn't know this was your third career. Maybe I thought you only had two. But there was a first one. That's exciting. I'm a multi-career person myself, so I can appreciate that. Mm. And what were you doing? Just curious. Pick a decade. Uh, 90s. Uh, in the 90s, I was a yoga teacher. And group, I was a yoga teacher and group fitness director. <laughs> I see yes. that. I do. You uh-huh. know, the body connection makes yeah. sense. Then, yep. Then I got off the mat and, you know, it's the same. It's just you know, off the mat, off the mat and onto the couch. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> okay. So I'm super excited. So Susan, you are interested in working with families in a, in like parents, kids. Um, and we're going to focus today on college kids. I mean, we okay. should call them young. We should call them young adults. I yes, know. We I should. know. Yeah. There are, and there's a term, it's called emerging adults. So these are emerging adults. So from 18 to 28 is this emerging adult 
classification, let's call it. You know, as we know, oh, 18, my child is an adult. Well, really, that's a legal construct. It's what our society places on, you know, our 18-year-olds. You're allowed to vote. You're allowed to drink at 21. So these numbers are associated with our laws and regulations. Well, our human development works very differently. And right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad to I'm glad to know that we are finally acknowledging that. That yeah. you are really not an adult at 18 nor 21 and maybe not even 25. So now they're saying like it's 28. Oh, I wow. wish I would have known that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was 28. So I 100% agree I wasn't with you. an adult yet. I was emerging. And I liked identifying that we have the legal construct of like, oh, you're 18, you're, you can vote. And then so, for some reason, we identify that as being an adult. <laughs> and then 21, you're able at 21, you're legally able to drink. And then also another passage into adulthood. I know it was a couple of semesters ago that I took a course on adolescence and we talked about the develop, the brain doesn't stop develop, finish developing until the end of your twenties. So all of the behaviors and all like for me personally, it was nice to give myself a pass for all the crazy things <laughs> I did when I was a teenager and in my twenties, I was like, Oh, my brain wasn't ready. <laughs> So it was cool. But I do like this emerging adults because it, it does give you the classification outside of that, being an adolescent. So maybe. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful for parents in particular. You know, they're just, you know, they're pulling their hair out. Why is, you know, my very capable at times incredibly rational child, right? Emerging adult acting, you know, in this most absurd way. Right. So it's like, oh, it makes so much sense for them to take the car at four in the morning because they didn't want to disturb me and I don't know, take an Uber. Right. I'm saving you money, mom and dad. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm saving you some money. Don't and you it's worry. safe. It's safer. Right. Than getting in an Uber at 4 a.m. Yeah. Hyper rationality. <laughs> That's another neuroscience kind of term, basically, which means your emerging adult is just looking at those narrow facts. They're not looking at the context. Mm. So it's like, I'm going to save mom and dad money. I'm going to get from, you know, my house to my friend Annie's house. And we're going to go out for an early breakfast at 4 a.m. And save them, you know, time, money, and effort. I really hope that my mother listens to this particular episode. Because, <laughs> because even though I am way beyond the emerging adult, there is a story that is timeless about the time that I borrowed her car. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe I backed up. We lived right across the street from the woods and there was like a wall. So maybe I backed up into that wall because I didn't 100% know what I was doing. Maybe then I drove it forward into the garage door, but <laughs> maybe, maybe all that happened. However, right here, I wrote the notes down just in case it comes up again, developmentally. I wasn't quite ready for all that responsibility, but I thought I was doing a good thing. <laughs> they shouldn't give us credit cards so young either. I'm just thinking about these things, right? Like, <laughs> it's going on. <laughs> it's really it's I couldn't agree more. And it's it's not so much the raging hormones. It's mm -hmm. really what's going on in the brain and, you know, the neurotransmitters. So that's basically how your brain cells communicate with each other just a little bit more of science, your prefrontal cortex, which is right in your forehead, right behind mm -hmm. your forehead. Basically, that's that's your, the CEO of your brain. So that makes all of your rational decisions. So the executive functions are controlled by 
your prefrontal cortex. And that's the area of the brain that's not fully developed until you're in your late 20s, until you're about 28. So that's important to remember. So the other part of your brain, which, you know, is impulsive and sort of this fear, rage, anger kind of hijacks, you know, your emerging adult is still seeking that thrill. I mean, I think we all still seek the thrill too, right? However, we have more rational, more cognitive skills that are at play here, kind of superseding what that impulse is. I'm an adventure seeker. And so, yes, the rational part of me sometimes says, wait, 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 you could break your leg. (laughs) Wait, 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 you could kill yourself. Maybe you shouldn't do that in your 40s. Yeah, you know, I think that's a Good way to go. (laughs) I support that. I do. Um, But again, I think it's really important for parents to have an understanding of where their graduate, where their emerging adult is. And, you know, to be mindful of where they are in terms of their own human development. Okay. So this is going to be important right now, right? Because we've been in COVID over a year and kids are graduating from college, right? Like I just walked by Columbia University yesterday. It's like, congratulations to class of 2021. So your kid is graduating from college in a pandemic. Now what? Like, what do you do? Excellent question, you know, and very timely because first of all, congratulations, parents. Congratulations to your graduate. You've made it far. You've reached this milestone. Woohoo! Celebrate. So, and there was a lot of hard work and sacrifice. So it's important to commemorate mm-hmm. this important moment in your graduate's life. So it's important to em- embrace it and mark it. The other very important issue is they're graduating in a pandemic. So how are you going to have this conversation? So it's all about balancing expectations. Mm-hmm. It's a really important expression. How are you going to communicate with your now graduate who's come home, going back into their childhood bedroom, and how are you going to communicate to them your expectations? What are their expectations? It's a matter of really being flexible, Mm -hmm. having empathy, and also expressing gratitude while these expectations are communicated. And I can go through what, you know, various kinds of topics within those expectations, as you know, what are the financial expectations? What are the social expectations? What are your family obligations? Do you have chores? Well, it's so interesting, right? So when we're thinking about kids, emerging adults, I'm going to get it right, (laughs) emerging adults moving out of the college situation. So we'll have some student who may actually be at home now, Mm -hmm on the computer and like they may not their schools may never have opened right everything may have been virtual so they might not have left so and then we have students who may be coming back in under the under these conditions because their jobs may also be virtual if they got jobs like there's so many weird things happening that it's like how like getting the parents who are also anxious and grieving from their own losses to really like support and understand and be empathetic to where their kids are emerging adults are emerging adults emerging adults i'm gonna remember it i'm gonna remember it emerging adults um and also like i think and in, in using the language emerging adults it's really having that come when you have the conversations as susan's suggesting with in your mind your kid is having them with the emerging adult, like having a different conversation at a different level of with a different level of maturity expectation, I guess, coming back from your kid. 
Say more, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it to Susan now. I think think you've said it quite well because it's truly messy. I think really what you've just demonstrated, truly, Diana, is that this is not only is it a, a messy time developmentally, our world is in a state of flux. And I think so much of being and living in a pandemic has heightened our awareness that life is really very much a gray zone. It's very messy. And so we're always constantly seeking order. And I think it's, you know, because there has been time, right? We do have some time, some more than others, certainly, but we've been forced, we've been forced to live, you know, as a family unit, whatever that family unit will look like, to think about really, what do I have control over? You know, what most of life is uncertain. Most of it is ambiguous. And so acknowledging those ambiguities and certainties are very important that we have as human beings have little control, even as adults, even as parents, we have little control. And to have that honest conversation with your emerging adult, with your graduate. Graduate, that's a good word. (laughs) Do you think it would feel like pressure for the graduate that maybe I'm here, like I'm home, I've graduated, or for the ones that have been home, as soon as graduation is over, now you have this big conversation with me around expectations. What do you think that would be like for the emerging adult? Difficult, absolutely. It is very, very stressful because I'm sure our graduate is feeling some embarrassment, some shame that they have to come home, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe they did have that job lined up or the internship lined up and the apartment lined up. Now they have to explain to family and to friends that they're going back home. Their loss of independence is tremendous, right? And that first job after graduation is so critical to launching your career. And then you don't know when you're going to get it, you know, and you're just kind of stuck in limbo. Because I I think I read an article that like entry-level jobs for graduates is down 45% since we've been in the pandemic. So what does that even look like for them, you know, the job market? And what does that feel like to know that, you know, I've done all of this work, I've graduated, and the expectation is the sky's the limit. I'm going to find a job. I'm going to, you know, jump right into my career. And everything is on hold still. You know, excellent point, Adnisha. And, you know, that brings in um, a type of grief because we've Mm. been been hearing that word grief and bereavement and loss. And so there's something, you know, a, a, a term which has been around for a while called disenfranchised grief. Basically what disenfranchised grief is, is unacknowledged sorrow by our society. It's unvalidated. It's hidden. Things that are hidden. So we know when there has been a physical loss, when we lose a loved one or we lose a family member, that's accepted by society. We are entitled almost. It's okay for you to grieve. But suppose, you know, you are feeling sadness and loss from not living in that, you know, wonderful studio apartment or living with, you know, your group of friends. Those are losses that need to be recognized. Those are disenfranchised losses that as individuals, as families, as society are important to recognize. I see why it would be so important for a family to see you in this moment, right? To have an understanding of these things. Because I don't think that sometimes parents or the the graduate is thinking of all of this, right? They just took, I'm back home. Um, you know, what is it like if your your kid is in their room and they just kind of don't come out, right? Because there could be some, a lot of anxiety, some depression from this, right? Like, and how do you handle all of that? So I, I think that, you know, seeing you as a family would be amazing at this point to really kind of talk these things out and to figure out what's next for us. 
Like, where do we go from here? Because this could be a very trying time. Yes. And there's the uncertainty. I mean, while there is hope, you know, there's vaccines, you know, vaccines are plentiful or becoming more plentiful in Mm -hmm. some areas, not so much in other areas. So there is, there's a lot of uncertainty in regard to when you're going to receive that vaccination and particularly those who have just graduated. So they're, you know, low on the totem pole unless, you know, they have a job you know, which uh, would qualify them to receive the vaccination. But again, you know, how can they go outside and see their friends? Are their friends allowed to come in? Suppose they're in a relationship. Is that person allowed in the home? Remember, you know, this is your parents, right? Right. I think I'm speaking to many parents right now who are saying, well, it's my house, my rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, you also have your emerging adult, (laughs) Who has their own set of rules. And we're going to come back. This is a a good place for us to take a quick break. And then um, because there's so much in that in itself to unpack around allowing your emerging adult to actually become an adult in your house. (laughs) So we'll be right back. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. In the, on the break, we're trying to remember where I said we stopped, but we are talking about what it's like for the parents and the emerging adult, the young adult, to be living together, both grieving at the same time, different from different places, and how to honor each other where they are, still be and still have the parent role, the kid role. And also seeing your kid as an adult and what that looks like in the house. So Susan, developmentally, let's talk about what's really happening. Like for, for the parent, I think from their perspective of what, what they're going through, what do you think? They're, they're mourning the loss of their child's really, you know, adolescence in a sense, and they're becoming an adult and the parent sees that much more clearly because the child is certainly Um, demanding, requiring the parents to give them the space they need to individuate and become Mm -hmm. the adult. So that's another developmental term is to individuate, to help your emerging adult find who they are. What are their likes? You know, what, you know, what is their drive? Finding their drive, getting in Mm -hmm. touch with that drive in terms of career, in terms of relationships. How does that affect them emotionally, psychologically, socially? 
Mm-hmm. So the parent, again, has to understand, you know, where their emerging adult is coming from. What is, what is for them a loss? And to recognize, you know, parents have gone through many losses before with this emerging adult. The yeah. loss of infancy, toddlerhood, childhood. So there, there is, you know, it, it's part of the continuum. Yeah, what I, um, I'm thinking about, and I don't, I haven't, I haven't worked with teens in a really long time. It used to be my my favorite thing. Um, Anisha knows. <laughs> I got a soft spot for the teens and the emerging adults. But one of the things in the younger years, right, not in these college years, I would, if I had a teen in my office, I would say, well, how do you want to be parented? Like, what is it that you want from the parent? And I think, and as you were talking, because I happen to watch a lot of TV, which we discussed on the break, I was seeing, you know, the Subaru commercial where the dad like is buying the Subaru and you see like the little girl in the car coming out and he's like turning around, he's having a conversation with her. But then like the end of it, she's getting the car for graduation from college. So you're like, oh, right. It's like you see your kid at the different stages and of their development, no matter where they are, right? Like when I tell the story, when I told the story about the car, me backing up, I mean, that's very much alive in my mother's mind. Like me at that phase of my life, and I'm like, yeah, a couple of decades ago or so, but it was important. Like, so she sees me there. So it's interesting when you're talking about it, how to help parents really see their kids where they are now as adults and also having the adult, the emerging adult be able to articulate what they want as an adult and not from that regressed base that like moved into their childhood bedroom or teenage bedroom. Hmm. Those are, you know, an excellent summation of what's going on developmentally uh, and also what's going on on TV. So, (laughs) (laughs) and during the pandemic, we cannot underestimate how important that is. So (laughs) the television, (laughs) right? So we, Remember, television isn't life. However, sometimes there are appropriate parallels. So we can grab those um, moments when we can. But in all earnestness, uh, yeah, it's important. I think this is where empathy comes into play Mm -hmm. in a very important way, where for parents to put themselves in their their graduate's shoes, as well as the graduate putting themselves in their parents' shoes. I mean, that's, that's really what becoming an adult is about. You know, understanding that your parent, right? Put your arms around, you know, your parent and just say, I'm sorry, I'm no longer that kid you want me to be. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to eat those green beans. <laughs> no, no, I really don't want to do my laundry and maybe I'll do it. Maybe. So that's that's really sort of like the little carrot that that your graduate is giving you. It's like, okay, I'll I'll do my laundry maybe every other week. Again, it's it's learning that flexibility has to come into play. Understanding there's a lot of loss. We are still going through a pandemic. Expectations have to be taken down tremendously. They do. And they need to be tweaked. So I think it's important to come together, to talk about meeting weekly on how, how the week has gone, what worked, what didn't work, what needs to be adjusted. I think those are important conversations uh, that need to be had in the family. Do you have any tips for parents and how they can support the kids and also, you know, how the kids can support the parents, I guess, both, both ways. Respect. I think there's a song about that. I do. (laughs) 
little song. <laughs> it, it's just a little song. And yeah. it's very important. Being respectful. Parents, this is your house. You have certain uh, rules and regulations that are based on what your values are and what you'd like to instill as well in your children and in your emerging adults. You know, you graduate have to have an understanding of that. That's important for you to keep that in mind while you are living in their home. So yes, it's been really hard. You, you don't have that apartment yet. It's important to remember too, again, that this time is not gonna last forever. The pandemic will not last forever. Slowly but surely, we're seeing things opening up. Maybe not as much as we'd like to, but there are glimmers. Yeah, you know. No, I was just gonna say how difficult it is to be able to, in some ways, take all of that into consideration while you are still kind of under the stress of a pandemic. But the hope is that people can be patient. So when I think of all those things, I also think about patience and the importance of that. Understanding that your parents may be a bit stuck in seeing you one way, and maybe they need to get used to seeing you as this emerging adult. And seeing what has changed in you, right, since you were in college until now, right? Like, because before they saw you on a consistent basis was high school. So it's been four years since they've seen you on a consistent basis, right? You know, you're home for summers and breaks, but it's kind of not the same thing. And so for them to kind of understand that, can you take the time to get to know me for who I am today? And then I think the same thing with the kids. Can you take the time to get to know your parent for who they are today? They may have changed as well. So I think that everyone just kind of understanding that some change has taken place. And so how do we acknowledge it? I agree. I think those are wonderful tips. Absolutely. Uh, And to utilize those uh, on a daily basis, really. Um, A way to mark those changes, albums, right? Whether it's on your phone, whether it's, you know, in a physical album, but to be able to mark those times Mm -hmm. and, you know, to be creative with them actually, and to you know, to relate different stories, remember when, you know, which might drive your graduate insane. (laughs) But it also, they might enjoy it too. We just don't know, right? Right. We try it. I love that idea. Albums are something like I shy away from them, but I love the idea of like knowing that they're created. Like I wouldn't, I personally, I was like, oh, maybe, but then I was like, oh, but I love to look at them and like go through that like time together, especially with the people in them. We're going to get ready to close, but I was thinking, are there any um, specific topics that parents should be like major, like major topics, like big ones that parents should be considering having conversations with their newly adulted, newly graduated when they, when they move back in? I mean, there are some, like when we're creating like rules and boundaries and bringing this person, this person who you brought into the world back into your house, like what are some of the major categories I think that parents should be like highlighting? Good suggestion. Finances. What are the expectations for your child to contribute financially? Mm -hmm. You know, they were going to be paying for rent. So I, you know, I feel that parents need to have this conversation. What is going to work, you know, for the parent, what is going to work for the graduate regarding financial obligations. If finances are such where your graduate is unable to provide toward the family, toward their rent, then what about chores, which is also another conversation to have. What are the responsibilities surrounding keeping your room neat? 
the rest of the house need uh, curfew. Right. What are you both going to be comfortable with? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about finances and then if they weren't bringing in money, what what's the equivalent, right? Then what it co- what correlates to money? Like what do you what can you do in your house that feels like you're contributing? Um, I love those topics. I think that those are good. Like uh, th- and they're uncomfortable conversations, right? So I think that that's the most important thing to remind parents too is that it's not and it's a conversation. It's not like when they were 12. Now it's a conversation. Like they actually, that graduate actually gets to say something back. Yeah. And, and I think those are essential to, to bring up. And also there's an expression, which I really utilize all the time from a wonderful supervisor. It's strike when the iron is cool. So when there are cool heads, that's the most effective way to bring up difficult conversations whether that's first thing in the morning or later on in the day, finding a time when there are cool heads, everyone is in a calmer place than not to have the difficult conversations. And another little pearl I'd like to add is that we have the ability to change until we take our last breath. Yes. Thank you. I love that. Thank you so much. I think people need to hear that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's always this fear of change, but it has to happen. Yeah. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. Right. And we're not concrete. We can change. So Susan is taking new patients at the Wells Psychotherapy in New York City. Um, You can find her at (laughs) bewellpsychotherapy.com. Her bio is up there. You can find a little bit more about her. She definitely has openings in her calendar. I know. And then (laughs) um, she's also giving a wellness talk where we are uh, on April 15th at 8 p.m. You can register for that also on the website at bewellpsychotherapy.com or you can follow us on social media on Instagram at bewellpsychotherapy or on Facebook, same, Be Well Psychotherapy, and you can sign up through either of those platforms. And you can get more tips and more information about parenting, parenting emerging adults, which is really important. And so um, I hope that you'll go and find her. Um, And now it's time for you, Adisha. Yay. So Susan, I have two questions that have nothing at all to do with what we talked about today. Hurrah, hurrah. Yeah. You um, have a late night talk show. Who's your first guest? Oh my goodness. I'm busy. No, I'm <laughs> That was a good one, Diana. I love it. Kamala Harris. Nice. It's a good one. Good one. Yeah. Kamala Harris. I am a news junkie. I mm-hmm. am completely wowed by her her presence, her thoughtfulness, her ability to embrace being vice president, uh, being the first woman of color, a black woman, a, an Asian woman, to be able to rise to this occasion uh, with such grace and intelligence really is, um, I look forward to just learning a bit more about her and to have a blended family. I think nice. it's incredible. I do. So she's up against, you know, quite, um, quite a strong wall. Um, I can only imagine. And I'd like to hear how she's managed to arrive at this point um, and what she envisions our country to be like four years from now. Okay. And you answered that like you were taking over for Jimmy Fallon tonight. I love it. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to come. I can't hear what she has. To, I can't wait to hear what she has to say. I was like, is Susan, does Susan host the 
late night with Jimmy Fallon? It sounds that way. Go on. I love it. I, it's, it was like you were speaking it into existence. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this was so much fun. I really... Oh, and I have we have another, another question, question for you, Susan. Oh, more. So what is your favorite quarantine purchase? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is one of those ones I wish we were videotaping and putting on YouTube. Um <laughs> <laughs> How many of you have you made many purchases? You know that's during the pandemic. Okay, how many? No, I said, what's your favorite favorite purchase? With quarantine purchase. So basically, in the pandemic, what is your favorite purchase that you've made? Fluffy slippers. I am a little embarrassed, but but my fluffy slippers. I have been wearing them out. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, They're they're my UGG fluffy slippers. Oh yeah, you out in public. Sometimes. Do you walk out of the house in them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about comfort. I, I do. I, I certainly do. Uh, oh, what? Fabulous, Diana. Diana's showing her fluffy Birkenstocks. Those are wonderful. I like those. I do. But they have um, warm feet is very important to me. There it is. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> really. Because right. there were so many, you know, and I wasn't you know, about to go with the food purchases. I could go there too. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put that aside for the moment. There's so many. There's so, so many. Those are good ones. The fuzzy slippers that you might be wearing under the desk while you're interviewing. Come on. Who knows? Who knows? I, I'm not going to share that. <laughs> okay. Well, Susan, thank you so much. This has been really fun. And um, I think that's it, Anisha. We are still doing what on a Friday morning? We a are. Podcast. Pandemic in a pandemic so we want you guys to stay safe wash Wash your your hands hands and and wear your damn mask just wear it please we appreciate you okay we're gonna stop here and we'll see you next week bye guys thank you for listening to the be real podcast stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.